welcome to the Lightly Literary Podcast, the Thoughtful Book Club podcast featuring two friends. I'm Travis, joined as always by my co-host Amanda. Welcome back, Amanda. Hello. Today we're here with a with a heavy one, an imposing work of history, <laughs> a big, big, big book, capital B book. <laughs> um, and it is King Leopold's Ghost by Adam Hochschild, which is spelled, because I feel like I've been pronouncing it right, but it's a tough one. It's H. O-C-H-S and then Child, C-H-I-L-D. So Adam Hotschild. And it is a grand work of history examining King Leopold, who's a Belgian, his colony in the Congo, and all of the atrocities that occurred there. It's definitely an intense, kind of demanding read. Uh, if you've never listened to the podcast before, by the way, you're in the right place. This is a book recommendation episode, which is when we will overview, give an overview of a book and discuss what makes it worth reading and just discuss broadly why we liked it and why we think you should read it. So no spoilers. We're not going to dive in deep. We're not going to analyze the work, you know, in, in great detail today. We're just going to try and persuade you to read this book with us over the course of the next couple weeks. So that's what we're up to. Um, we have social media accounts if you want to follow us there at uh, Instagram and Facebook at the moment. And we are at the Lightly Literary Podcast, which is all one word. So easy to find and follow. Again, all one word there so you can look us up and see what we're reading. That's kind of where we post our schedule and give updates about what we've been covering, reading, and posting lately. I believe I chose this one, right? I always forget. You, did. you know, we're so our, our book choices are so <laughs> intertwined that I'm like, I don't even know, but <laughs> I'm pretty sure I did. Um, why did I pick this though, Amanda? That's I'm just giving it some some deep consideration right now. I I know it came off the shelf, so I have a. Do you do this at home too? But I I have one bookshelf where I keep everything I haven't read yet because I'm otherwise kind of a hoarder. I tend to pile up books that I don't read. <laughs> Yeah, I have the same shelf. Yeah, well, I think, and to me, because I don't don't have, like, other hobbies where I spend a lot of money, per se, and so it's like, I don't mind this. I like having a little mini, I mean, it's literally one small shelf um, of three three levels, you know, so it's like, I'm not hoarding, you know, it's not not hoarding walls of books or something. It's not the the worst behavior to keep some, but I kind of like it, though. I like the visual of, like, ooh, I could read any of these. What should I do next? Kind of a vibe. Um, And so, yeah, Anyway, this is definitely on that shelf in the little history section. I believe I'd read, it's the the classic pick for me at this point, because I believe I'd read two chapters before and just thought, eh, this is a bit dense. It's, it's really intense. I just wasn't feeling it when I first tried it. And yeah, this is the perfect excuse, the podcast, to read things that I struggled with or to force myself to engage on books that are challenging. This is challenging. Yeah, this um this was also on my bookshelf, but because my husband had picked it up and he yeah. only read I think the first chapter, and then he put it down. So nice. I was like, oh, I I know that I have this book somewhere. So and now he, now it he's got out really well human spark notes. You can just yeah. <laughs> fill him in on the pertinence. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, I think the motivation was pretty simple as to why I initially bought it years ago. I truly don't know. I'm sure it was on a reading list somewhere. Almost every book purchase I do is based on some kind of like article, video, list, criticism, a news thing, books are yeah getting reviewed, awards, I look those up. So anyway, I'm sure it was noteworthy. But it's about the Belgian occupation of the Congo and the brutal colony that it had there and the kind of labor practices. And it's, again, it's quite intense. And if you're unfamiliar with colonialism, it, it might be a good read. Let's jump into mm-hmm. that, actually. Let's do some rapid-fire recommendations, Amanda. Let's talk through what Let's makes this it. book good and who should read it. Uh, we're going to fill in a simple prompt. You should read this book if, and we'll fire them back and forth. I'll go first. Amanda, I think you should read this book if you're curious about great injustices of history. 
It's it's so true, especially um, with the Congo. Like I personally had no idea. Like so, it, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, I mean it'll um, it'll fill you in in great detail. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. <laughs> Um, you should read this book if you're interested in learning more about colonization in Africa. Yeah. I don't, would this be list item number one in the syllabus? I don't think so. Cause it is a bit in depth and it is a bit, it's thorough. I mean, in a good way, I think, but it's not for the faint of heart. And it's also not, in, I would call it not an overview of the, of European systems. So it's, it's specific. I think you should read this book. If you've seen apocalypse now or have read heart of darkness, so true. Um, he actually references those. Yeah. And uh, that's that's something that I also put in my list. Um, I yeah. said if, you should read this if you want some insights into Conrad's Heart of Darkness. Right. Um, he actually has a whole chapter devoted to it. Yeah, yeah, literally a chapter. And he also, I think it's, it's a common one for the AP school curricula, so in the United States anyway. There's a decent chance you've been exposed to that book, and this, I think, will give some really essential and interesting context to it, some some fascinating comparisons to be drawn. I guess I'll go, yeah, was that your third one then? Oh, I see, yes, okay, <laughs> we line up. Very good. Uh, I think you should read this book. If you never did end up signing up for that post colonial literature class in college yeah uh i did not uh <laughs> well, there, this is it <laughs> so, so it worked out really well for me um, yeah <laughs> you should read this book if you know nothing about the congo yeah i do think how about i think that's actually the perfect middle ground i don't think this would be book number one if you don't know anything about colonialism but mm-hmm. i do think it would be book number one if you just didn't even know what the congo is or where it is or something if you're yeah. if your ignorance of that specific part of africa is like you know you're like i don't even really get the difference between that and surrounding regions or whatever then yeah i do think because this is very again it's very thorough and mm-hmm. it doesn't really veer outside the congo that often it, it does yeah, for right. other thematic reasons, but like it's not a study of other colonies. It barely mm-hmm. alludes to some French stuff. Like, yeah, anyway. So just keep that in mind. I think you should read this book if you have the mental and emotional space for it. It is intense. Yes. <laughs> it is. It is. Yeah. You Sometimes you just got to walk away from the book. Um, but mm-hmm. it, it de- definitely, you have to invest a lot of your, your focus into it when you read it. Yeah. Um, you should read this if you're curious about the history of propaganda pre World War One and World War Two. Oh, it's a great point, great one. Because mm-hmm. in American education, I feel like propaganda basically gets World War Two consideration, yep. and that's it. <laughs> it's like yep. that's the place where we talk about it. But man, there's such interesting media studies and manipulation of the media in this book. So yes, that's a great selling point Uh, Mm -hmm. i think you should read this book if you love historical oddballs including monsters and heroes Mm -hmm. yeah the the what we liked about this book too was like the the way that he dives into some of these care these characters these people's uh backstories and stuff so yeah yeah for sure. Um, you should read this book if you like nonfiction that includes some, not a whole lot, of primary source materials. We actually get quotes from some journals and stuff like that. Yeah, I I think, so let's compare it to, we did Devil in the White City, which is also a very yeah. popular book. I think this would lap that one in terms of direct use of primary sources. For sure. Yep. It's it is it definitely feels more like an academics type of history. That book yep. felt like a a good writer 
making a historical narrative. Also, it's now clear, and he even talks about how the author of that book, like he literally invented scenes to make it feel like a narrative story. Like he, yeah, anyway. So there's like literal fiction in that book. Uh, in this one, there's not. There's just a lot of historical work trying to make assumptions. And so I, I think the primary sources, you're right. I found them fascinating. I'd be lying if I said I read every single one perfectly thoroughly like there were some journal entries from some congo officials where i was like yeah (laughs) he already told me why this matters i'm not gonna read it like i Mm -hmm. i'm gonna skim this and be like oh okay and then keep it moving but no yeah it's i think there's a good amount of them um let's jump to the pop culture touchstones those are our quick recs so pop culture touchstone this is when we're each gonna discuss an item from pop culture just history that we think connects or relates to this work something that we you might be familiar with already and that therefore leads you to be intrigued about this book I'm just going to, because I, I gave mine away, right? It's Apocalypse Now, Heart of yeah. Darkness. I, <laughs> uh, neither of which are really pop culture, especially Heart of Darkness, which is an old you know work of literature at this point, like over 100 years old. But it is a culturally common thing. And if you've had to uh, endure an AP lit or Lang class, maybe even, or a college you know English class, you, you may have had exposure to that. Apocalypse Now, though, is a well-known film about the failures of the Vietnam War and kind of the madness that took place there and the the horrors in in the word of kurtz or whatever (laughs) that occurred there and i do think that this has so so many things in common because it it picks out people who were participants in these atrocities and really does dig into them and tries to understand why they may have done it or who they were what kind of people they were where they came from so i think those touchstones are relevant yeah for sure i i agree and the uh, the horrors that are described in them are, <clears throat> at least with Heart of Darkness, um, very much influenced by what happened in the Congo as well. So, Directly yeah. so, yeah. Conrad mm-hmm. visited, so which is, there's an entire chapter dedicated to it. It just seemed like an obvious one. Hopefully you came up with a less obvious one for our listeners. <laughs> <laughs> I think mine's pretty obvious, too. Mine is a true crime documentary. Like, I mean, take your pick, right? Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, because, I mean, like, these these are actual crimes being committed against these people um, in the book, but also, and in history. Um, but just, I think the, the setup for me, it just very much was like a, a true crime documentary. I mean, there's all the facts that are presented. Um, there's the uh, attempts at motivation analysis where they talk about like um, not just the horrors and the, the, the things that went wrong, but you know, like the, the things leading up to, those things Um, and then there's the um, not so subtle interpretations of various sources where they they present facts but then they have their interpretations of those facts which is the same thing that Hawk's Child has but it's not it's not as uh subtle as they might think that they're mm. being i don't you know what i mean no like, yeah i get that yeah, yeah no yeah. i understand i think it's um, yeah it walks a line for sure I, it's less i was gonna say it's like less scandalous but then again there's like outright horrific scandals featured yeah. throughout this book so it's it's interesting i find true yeah. doc two crime documentary style kind of I don't know, like lurid or kind of cheap or something. Um, Mm -hmm. Not sure what the word I'm looking for is there. But yeah, it's maybe lurid and cheap. This feels like a kind of more of a dense, big, epic work. I also think maybe it's a matter of scale. This is a pretty well-documented 
not quite genocide but still death of millions kind of event yeah. and yeah, yeah i don't know true crime obviously focuses on like salacious personal stuff the thing is though hot child does that too it's a great comparison it's an intriguing comparison i would not have thought yeah. of that hmm. yeah and um and overall for me like they for both true document the true crime documentaries and this book like it's interesting uh, but not interesting because of the style but interesting uh, just because gotcha. of like the content yeah. Uh, okay. I, I would agree to that too. I think I found him a better writer than you did, but not by a lot. And also, it's you're right though. The things to remember are like the events, the content, the maybe not so much the writing. So, yep, I, I agree. Let's move to our scripted pitches. This is where we will each give a you know 200 word or so scripted, written out um, bit of thinking that we've got about the book, or you know a formal or official recommendation. We we get a chance to actually think and edit and jot down some thoughts ahead of time uh, i'll go first i feel like i normally don't i'll put the burden on myself it was my pick i guess should we do it that way where the person who picked it has to go first maybe that's how we should do it <laughs> just you know editing on the fly here anyway uh, i'll do my scripted pitch first During 2020, when widespread police reform protests swept the United States in 2021, there were tons of reading lists floating around social media. You probably saw some of them. Uh, Lots of them were focused on minority and especially black histories in America. We covered on our own podcast a bunch of these books, including Between the World and Me, which is nonfiction, and novels like Sing, Unburied Sing and The Good Lord Bird. And so, you know, that was our literary way to engage and kind of think through these topics. Uh, Well, feel free to add King Leopold's Ghost to the aforementioned reading list, I would say, even though, intriguingly, it has very little to do with American history or even, like, American forms of racial violence or segregation. Uh, Instead, it's, of course, about the Belgian occupation of the Congo, the Republic of the Congo, as it was called, for a brutal, roughly 25, 30-year period. And so it's interesting. Reading it isn't some kind of immediate moral imperative, I suppose, not like the other reading list books maybe but it does expect you to synthesize a good amount of info and like i think it's just good to have a purpose while doing so so i think this book could could get tacked onto those lists um if your knowledge of colonialism is passing at best or is even like in the american sense filled with images of men heroically dumping tea into harbors then i think this is required reading like it's dense for sure but it's required because Hotschild is nothing if not thorough in documenting the kind of horrors, misdeeds, and crimes that the Congolese suffered. Um, there are moments when his writing lets him down a bit, sure. Like, it's not perfect. It's it's kind of dense, as I said. But I'm also unsure how this many primary sources could be referenced or summarized while also keeping things loose and light tonally. It's kind of an impossible ask. So I, I think for what he accomplishes, it's a pretty well-balanced bit of writing. It's got some historical oddballs and intriguing figures, too. So as Amanda kind of alluded to, if you need some personal connections for history to pop, then it will definitely work on that front. And it just it, it features interesting and quite flawed people that he likes to study as well. So it's not just a list of brutalities. There is kind of the personal connection, if that's what you need. Uh, yeah, it, I, I agree. So like the, the, the descriptions of the people are, are really fascinating. And I did also think that, yeah, it's, it's dense reading. Um, but I, I agree that it's, it's dense as far as like information and facts and stuff goes, but it's still a pleasurable not pleasurable because I mean it's such a sad sad content but like it's still readable. it's still something Very that readable. Yeah, is readable and, and something that I think is also important to read yeah and important 
I tried to reference that too, but it's the moral imperative here is not as urgent, perhaps, as some of those other reading list books. But also, I don't know. It's I feel like you need to understand some things that aren't just from the last 30, 40 years. It's there's some long tail history stuff that is crucial context, I guess. And I feel like this, at least in terms of thinking about Africa, African nations, history of Africa, since you know basically the whole continent was uh, colonized at different points. So trying to understand that and the uh, wide ranging effects of it. This is a, a good starting point. And also to be clear, there are books that talk about the after effects like post-colonialism. This does not do that. This is just concerned with the how did it happen? Who was involved? Uh, what were the people who fought against it? That's a, actually a pretty big part of the book, pretty big feature. So keep that in mind too. This does not go post at all, at least not for more than like 10 pages. So <laughs> it's, it's very much focused on how was it run? What happened there? How do we understand what happened? Um, how did the world react? So, yeah, that's kind of the focus, too. And for yours, Amanda, take it away. <clears throat> First off, this book is not what I would consider a beach read. Uh, it is full of information about an area of history I'm not familiar with, but thankfully it doesn't read like a textbook. Uh, neither does it read like a story. It's definitely No Devil in the White City by Eric Larson. We reviewed that big book a while ago but this book is definitely still palatable Hawkschild obviously did a lot of research to write this book and I appreciate that he includes some original source materials in his writing the snippets of journal entries memos and other sources highlighted how much effort he put into this project without those pieces I think some of the conclusions that he has drawn about the principal figures in the book would seem a bit untrustworthy it's the analysis of motivations and personalities of these people that seem to be a roller coaster for me. Sometimes they're great and are integrated wonderfully in the prose. Sometimes it just seems either off the wall random or just unnecessary when he pairs his conclusions with mm. anecdotes about certain behaviors. Regardless, overall, this book is one that I'm grateful to have read and would definitely recommend to anyone interested in history and or politics. Yeah, political things. I mean, we, we went hard on the media in our second episode. So listeners, if you check it out, that's you're going to find a lot of contemplation about that and sort of summaries of what the media's role is in all this. But yeah, politically, it does some intriguing things. I mean, yeah, I don't, there, it's also like the political climate of the time and even the governments of the time, the way government was run is, is quite different, of course, like obviously. So it does make for an interesting compare and contrast still. I guess that's the, the point I would settle on for sure. Mm-hmm. Interesting points to be made. Yeah. yeah good. And overall, your, your evaluation of Hotschild as a writer, you going with just good enough? <laughs> Not great, yeah, but like, I would. it, it yeah. does the job. <laughs> yeah. As a researcher, stellar. As a writer, eh. <laughs> Did you read the, um, right? my edition had a little personal insert at the back because it was kind of, I think my book is like a 10th or 20th anniversary edition. Did yours have that? He does a little reflection at the end, just like, you know, how the book was received and his own thoughts about it. Did you read that? Nope. No, it's interesting. I, have that. Yeah, I didn't include much discussion of it. It, it was kind of nice to see his own perspective and like the flaws he sees in the book now, which to be clear are not the same flaws that I think you and I harped on, which is fair enough. It's it's like a different perception, but he also goes through the book's reception and kind of the critical response. And he does talk a bit about other historians who disliked the book and thought parts of it were cheap and didn't work and stuff. So I, I liked it. It was a nice little coda, little ending. So hmm, interesting. Yeah. I think I think like most, you know, 
historians, you have to face the kind of criticism at some point, too. It's that's all part of the academic life, I think. So critical life. Shall we do some quotes? Let's do it. Um, final segment. We always do this in book recommendation episodes. We're each going to give a quote for clarification, which is when we read something from the work directly that represents the style, the tone, the approach, just something important that we think should be understood. Obviously, if you're going to go in and start reading this one, we want to give the, the clearest sense of what the book's going to be like, and quoting is, that's how to do it. Uh, I'll go first. <laughs> okay. This is from page 80, so early-ish in the book. In early night, or sorry, in early 1884, Morgan introduced. He's a um, Morgan's like a lobbyist. <laughs> Morgan introduced a Senate resolution in the United States in support of Leopold's Congo claims. First, sending a rough draft to Sanford, who's a lobbyist. Like any lobbyist given the chance, Sanford searched for more or reached for more. To Morgan's reference to land drained by the Congo River, he added the words "its tributaries and adjacent rivers," a phrase that could be interpreted as meaning all of Central Africa. The Senate toned this down, soon passing a modified version of Morgan's resolution. It also issued a thousand copies of a long report on the Congo under Morgan's name, mainly written by Sanford. It may be safely asserted, the report declared, that no barbarous people have ever so readily adopted the fostering care of a benevolent enterprise as have the tribes of the Congo, and never was there a more honest and practical effort made to secure their welfare. So, a couple things here. Um, firstly, I had to pick something with primary sourcing. As you mentioned, you didn't find that to like hamper the reading, but there's, there's a lot of it. He's, he's thorough, you know, it's real history being done. It's not like a casual <laughs> essay style light analysis. Like it's, <laughs> it's digging into all the specifics. So I, I wanted to pick something with like an actual primary source. Also two fascinating things here. One would be the media manipulation aspect, which I think going into this book, you should just keep an eye out for that because it really comes up often how misinformation gets around, how people put a spin or perspective on something that another person wouldn't have agreed with, but it happened. So it's like the fact that this senator passed this resolution, but the other guy wrote the whole thing for him. This is pretty common, actually, in politics, because, you know, senators have researchers and a staff who work for them and help them, like, craft messages. And, like, this, none of this is um, maybe, like, nefarious, but it also makes it clear how misunderstandings can just build and how one person who is savvy enough and knows who to manipulate and how to manipulate them can, like, change the entire perspective of something more easily than we would think or like more easily than we want to believe and that becomes important and then of course the final thing i'd mention the tone of the message itself the kind of protective paternalistic nature of the colonization like he dives in deep into how people thought of the congo how people justified it the sort of efforts that were going into I, like, I think that's the kind of quote that shows, yeah, this book does actually introduce kind of the general tone of colonization because it shows, yeah, what were the opinions of the people doing it? Like, what did they think of themselves? Well, they thought they were great, just warriors of civilization helping the world. And that quote makes it really clear that, and of course, like the irony or the sort of uh, horrible twist of like, no, no, never before has a people been so ready to be subjugated. It's just, um, there's like a disgusting irony to that that the like people of the time could not see past they they didn't get how that is kind of contradictory uh, human rights hadn't been invented so <laughs> so to speak like not as we understand them anyway um but anyway so yeah an interesting paragraph and i chose it for those reasons yeah it's great and yeah that's um <clears throat> the the media stuff is definitely one one thing that i will take away from from this reading for sure is 
his perceptions of the media and also like just how integrated media and and the and politics are like they're just hand in hand in a lot of respects and um yeah so that's a great quote for that Le- too. leopold not a genius businessman not a great ruler not you know yada yada keep going on listing but a pretty masterful propagandist and really understood how to say the right things and how to get the message out so to speak so yeah anyway uh, and for your quote uh, mine comes from later in the novels, uh, novel in the story, uh, page two seventy seven, <clears throat> and uh, this is towards the end when when Leopold dies. Um, one of the lawsuits provoked by Leopold's financial tangles was filed by Princess Stephanie and Louise. That would be his daughters, two of his daughters. They claimed that since the wealth in the secret foundation and companies had been their father's, it was now in part theirs. The Belgian government, however, eventually got most of the funds. There was no lawyer to argue that the money should have been returned to the Congolese. Um, I chose this one because it's an example of, uh, in particular, Hawkschild's um, writing style, where we have those one-liners at the end, where Mm. it's just like, of course they were ignored, and of course they they had no voice, which is a big thing that he um, harps on in this book, too. But yeah, the the one-liners at the end um, are definitely something that I picked up on pretty early on as well, as far as like his writing style. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, that stuff is, is it almost one of those kinds of exception proves the rule thing? Because I don't think he does it a ton, but maybe that makes it more noticeable when he does it. <laughs> oh, maybe, yeah. Or, but I, may, I don't know. Maybe he did do it a lot more than I'm giving him credit for. I also think it's clear. We didn't chat about this too much in the episodes. I think it just comes up implicitly. But I think, yeah, you and I just had different reactions to things or picked up because I think I was just so bogged down in the kind of the facts of it all. And I think your stylistic lens was sharper. So like you, I think you were just paying more attention to those things. I was just kind of like waltzing or kind of blitzing through just trying to get to the next, you know, what other fact is coming up, but no, mm-hmm. it's good. I like it. Interesting. Any other thoughts on this one? Uh, no, I don't think so. So those are our thoughts on King Leopold's ghost. And that's our broad recommendation. Part one, we're going to cover walking into the fire. So this book is conveniently split into two parts. So if you want to listen to our first book club episode, which will be out on Friday uh, from today, it's also just going to stay up in the feed in the archive. So whenever you find this, but it'll be posted. And that again is going to cover part one, walking into fire. So check out our thoughts and our analysis on part one. Did you, Amanda, again, you had no final overall thoughts on the book? No, I'm good. <clears throat> readable, you know, but not not super readable. Worthwhile, but you do have to put in the effort, I guess. I don't, yeah. Hopefully yeah. you're not being too milk toast about it. I did enjoy it. <laughs> I enjoyed it as well, just not, not for yeah. stylistic elements, but for, for yeah. how much yeah. I learned from it. I, I really appreciate the book. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, And then we do have other books coming up. So if we did not manage to persuade you on this episode, well, we apologize as ever. We'll try and persuade you to read our next one with us. Um, Amanda will tell you about the next three books we've got in order. Uh, So next up, we have The Psychology of Zelda, edited by Anthony M. Bean, Ph.D. And that's going to be a collection of essays about the video game Zelda. Um then we have Piranesi by Susanna Clark, which is a novel. And then we have 84 Charing Cross Road by Helen Hanf, which is some some letters. And is that, that's also fiction, but just fictionalized letters? Or is it a, like a memory of something? I think it's actually nonfiction. Oh, okay. But I'm not 100% sure on that. But I think it's oh. actually 
like yeah they're discussing like because it she's a writer and then the dude that she's writing to is um a, a used book dealer and they just kind of it's their their love of books and of of reading that brings them together and it's it yeah so it's just like how their friendship is based on that oh interesting it says, sorry, I just pulled up like the a brief summary of it. It calls it a love story, this summary does, but I can't tell if it's a real love story. <laughs> um, it was the basis for a film, so I don't, but that could also be based on real life. Okay, well, anyway, let's uh, let's leave it there. A love story, real or fake? Who knows? <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll find you know, out. <laughs> we'll know before, we'll know when we get into it. Yeah, anyway, that's funny. Um, and those are our upcoming picks. Some shorter ones too, listeners. So if you're looking for a shorter read, check those out. Uh, reminder, social media accounts we have at Facebook and Instagram, at the Lightly Literary Podcast, all one word, so check us out there. And if you can re- leave a rating and review on iTunes or Spotify, wherever you're listening to this, it helps a ton. Also, I think we're up on Amazon and Google, so we're up on all the big ones. Any uh, ratings and reviews help us a bunch. Thanks, as always, again, for listening through and taking the recommendation. And until next time, we'll see you between the pages. 